This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. My name is Corey Talba. I'm the NBA draft dude, the Wolf of Ball Street. And um, we don't have Albert Garbage Time Gim with us today because uh, he has not yet arrived to Portland, Oregon, where I am currently recording um, because I am at the Nike Hoop Summit this week. But we do have some very good replacements for Albert this week, who we will be recording with at some point when he arrives. We have... Tyler and Tyler, double technical, in the building with us to uh, do a fun episode of the Draft Act podcast. We're not going to feature, you know, one specific prospect. Instead, this episode is called Sell Me This Pen, and we are going to discuss three guys that each of us are a little bit higher on than maybe the consensus out on the NBA draft, uh, in the NBA draft spear. Is you know is, is that a thing? The NBA draft sphere, the NBA draft universe. So, um, welcome to the draft act, Tyler and Tyler. I I Metcalf. I'm gonna intro you in first because I don't know if you've been on this show since like the fifth episode where we talked about Evan Mobley. Uh, yeah, I think that was the very first one that I did with you and Albert. That was back before no ceilings even formed. Um, wow, it's been a while. It has it is it's been a while. A lot has changed since then. Um but for the better. And uh so we have the the first Tyler and then we have second Tyler. Tyler 2. Rucker. He's definitely the second. Rucker, come on. What's going on? Talk to me. How are you feeling about this week? Pretty pretty pumped. Pretty pumped on life. Pretty pumped to be here with both of you. Um you know, me and Corey, for everyone listening, had some pretty fun travel days. Um, abs- absolute opposite of fun. A lot of screaming babies, children, um, chaos in the air. Not the type of chaos I usually enjoy. But I'm, I'm excited to be in Portland. Got to see some some practices yesterday. We're going to have a lot of good content this week. But because we're absolute sickos, we've already been just obsessing over draft film for this year's class. So I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to... Uh, have some good week of discussion and film breakdowns and all that fun stuff. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of content coming out outside of just these podcasts. So we're we're very excited of everything that we're gonna get to see this week and and actually getting to hang out in person. This is the first time we've met yeah. Metcalf in person. Yeah, which is um, crazy. I mean, I, I did like over 50, 60 podcast episodes. Are, what are we at? Even seventy? Oh, we're, we're way over that. Yeah, we're, we're so near hundred. Yeah, it's crazy, and, and this is the first time I've actually sat across the table from him. Um, just a special thing, you know. Time Magazine's thinking about writing about it, so everyone should be excited. Feels good. Feels it, good. It feels real. Feels good. right. It feels good. So, all right, let's get into the actual episode. Um, we each picked a guy. We're gonna start with Metcalf. 
uh, who picked uh, Adem Bona of UCLA, the freshman center, listed at 6'10", 235, um, from Turkey, uh, averaged 7.7 points per game, 5.3 rebounds per game, 0.7 assists, 1.7 blocks, and 0.6 steals in 22.9 minutes per game. Um, so before we get into the deeper aspect of, of Bona Metcalf, just hit me with your sell me this pen 30 second elevator pitch for Bona. Well, is your current center a freak athlete with a nonstop motor who gets down in a defensive stance like a guard, protects the rim like an all-NBA defensive center, uh, runs the floor like a maniac? No? Oh, well, don't worry. Adem Bona can do that for you. You're natural at this. It's been, it's been so long, and yet, I don't even know if we had that segment when you came on. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, Bona's a guy who I actually got to see live in person at Madison Square Garden. Uh, when we were covering UCLA versus Kentucky. And he was a guy that I was a little bit skeptical about coming into the year. Some of the stuff at Prolific Prep, obviously the athleticism, dynamic, but it just felt a little like, all right, I get it. He's a great athlete against high school kids. Let's see what happens at the next level. And there needs to you know, be some nuance added on to just the athleticism. But even at the college level, there were a couple of times during the game where I was like, Oh shit! That was a, a pretty. Sp- I think he had an alley oop where it looked like he had his, you know, hands at the top of the backboard, like physically, just an absolute beast. Like every, like if he's actually two thirty five, I'd probably be shocked. He's probably going to be a, a little bit heavier than yeah. that. Um, just a strong, strong dude. Um, but with that said, I still there's still a little bit of skepticism for me, even though I do think he exceeded my expectations um coming into the year because I, I do have him on my board i think i'm a little lower i have him in that mm-hmm. mid second round range where where is he on your personal big board yeah uh i have him at 23 so i anywhere in the top 25 i would be well obviously not anywhere in the top 25 but anywhere after 20 i'd be thrilled about getting him um i just the the defensive upside is freakish um and something rucker and i always talk about is with these big men that are awesome athletes are they just or did did they build up their success because they're just an awesome athlete and they're just bigger and stronger than everyone else or are they able to kind of harness that into a way that's translatable on both ends of the floor to the next level and i think throughout the season bona continuously showed that he could do that yeah i mean for look it's not all the time that raw ish freshmen's play big minutes at ucla last year we saw peyton watson most certainly struggled with with playing time um and he's having a little moment lately yeah you know love to see it sometimes it takes time never heard that one before no one's ever said that um but yeah like i said even though there's like really positive flashes with bona there's just also you know, I, I'm like, he still seems a little bit raw for the league. And sometimes it does take time. And I don't think he needs to come in right away and be a contributor. I do think that there is a role for guys who are going to be able to run the rim, clean up the glass, rebound, and defend in multiple ways. But I also think there is almost like a, a ceiling capped to that type of player. For me... One of the things I, I worry about a little bit is like his feel as 
as a passer. And is there anything that either of you guys have seen, like Rucker, like have you seen any any like passing flashes where you're, you're kind of like maybe you're overthinking that, and I think I think he's he's going to be able to make a short roll pass or or pass out of you know a double or, or anything of that sort. I th- I think there's a lot of rawness still, um, but that's why it's so exciting is because you saw the the rawness almost develop throughout the year and just like the the track he's on when it comes to development. I don't Metcalf, what do you think the passing wise? Because I. I know you've watched him under, you know, under a magnifying glass. Do you think it's just like a disaster or is there something promising or are we just being like, don't touch the ball unless you're dunking it or giving it to somebody else? Yeah. On a rebound. <laughs> on a rebound. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think there's a whole lot there this season to really get excited about. And I think a lot of that was kind of intentional because he is super raw. There's still a lot to kind of work out, but he never really played outside of himself and played outside of the role that he was given and tried to do more than he could, um, which was basically just finish at the rim, uh, which was excellent. But he never forced things and made it more complicated. And maybe that's an indictment on how, what the ceiling is for his offense, because you would like to see some more, you know, skip passes out of the post or stuff out of the short roll. That stuff's really valuable, especially with the spacing at the next level. Um, But I'm not sure he's ever going to be one of these guys where you really ask him to do that stuff. And if he does get to that point where he is making those skip passes or dump offs out of the short roll, stuff like that, then I think that's just kind of, icing on the cake yeah and i think here's the thing like i get where you're coming from having him in that that 23 ish 25 whatever range but i think the passing for me is like the reason because i have Derek lively a little like i think i have like 19 or 20 or something and i think the difference because you can argue that there's not a whole lot of difference between Bona and Lively as prospects other than their preseason ranking. But I've seen flashes of playmaking from Lively that I haven't seen from Bona. With that said, I've also seen things from Bona that I don't think Lively is going to be able to replicate because Bona is just a, a physical freak as far as strength. And even when he's not catching and finishing, it's almost like if he's near the rim, he's either going to finish or you have to foul him now the free throw shooting's not great no and he didn't attempt a single three so i I don't think there's any shooting indicators there to be positive about but there is at least still value in drawing fouls near the rim yeah absolutely just to kind of you know expand on that he took five total jumpers all year so it's not a thing that was like well maybe one didn't i was thinking yeah, probably not it's probably not gonna <laughs> probably be a not. thing for him um 85.9 percent of his shots came at the rim but he was in the 93rd percentile in scoring in those situations so he finishes with a lot of power and he's not scared to get fouled so obviously you want those free throw that free throw percentage to be a lot higher because he's going to get to the line because he's so strong and athletic and fearless but even if those you know foul shots aren't going in the clip that you really want them to 
there's still a lot of value gained by drawing that many fouls and putting the defense in that toughest spot where they're constantly fouling you because you're going so hard at the rim. And, you know, to kind of circle back a little bit on Lively, I have Lively and Bona back-to-back where I have Lively one spot below, um, and my ranking for Bona is... 95 percent just based on the defense because i think it is that special but for what he's asked to do on offense which is just rim run offensive rebound and kind of cut from the dunker spot he's exceptional at those three things yeah and sometimes you got to keep it simple stupid and the defense uh defensive box score plus minus of five uh, great for a freshman uh 1.7 blocks half a steal now i mean it's clear that this dude impacts the game defensively. Like you can't move him off a spot. His mobility for a guy at that size is, you know, pretty, um, pretty special stuff. You know, he's, he can hedge, he can recover, slide over from the weak side, protect the rim. He did have a little bit of a foul issue. Um, per 36, 5.2 fouls. The, the game's only going to get faster Mm -hmm. at the next level. Do you think there's any kind of path to him con- contributing next season? Or is it going to be a lot of just experimentation, learning, a lot of time in the G League, and then this is, you know, you got to be patient a couple of years down the line with this guy? I, w- I would be surprised if he's playing a major role next season just because of how raw he is. And I think there's just still so much basketball learning that he needs to do. But... We, I think he's going to be one of these guys where once he gets drafted, NBA fans are going to get frustrated because they're not going to see him right away. And a year or two later, I think he's going to be one of these guys where he is, comes onto the scene and people are immediately drooling over how good of a defender he is. I think a lot of the foul stuff that he kind of dealt with or experienced this year was because of how aggressive they used him in their pick and roll coverage, where he's hedging guys all the way out to the half court line and then scrambling to recover. So if that second side rotation isn't always there, you know, sometimes he's recovering and has to gamble a little bit. He can be a little reckless because he is still that raw and athletic and long and just spastic at times. But the offensive tools, the instincts, the way he moves, it's really special stuff that you really don't see from a guy his size. Yeah, and just, I mean, if you go and look at even just his raw box score yeah. numbers, you look at his last, like, 10 to 15 games, and you're like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, even his last, I think I think he had, like, 20-plus games in a row with at least one block. And this guy who's, you know, always playing around the 20-ish minute mark, but, um, you know, he played 12 minutes against Arizona and, three, and had three blocks. So... Even in limited minutes, like he's impacting the game on that end. Um, what do you think is like the ideal scenario for him to enter into, as far as like um, team structure, scheme, where he he could kind of be valuable on both sides of the floor? Um, a place with a point guard um, who, where he can just on offense just go set screens and the rest of the guys will feed you, um, where there are essentially zero offensive expectations for him and just a kind of a structured defensive culture where 
I think it's something that he will help elevate in the long run. But like we just talked about in the short run, I think there are going to be some really big learning curves for him to overcome. But with that kind of culture set in place for him, I think it's just going to be a place where he really blooms into an awesome defender. Like we saw at UCLA, UCLA with Mick Cronin is they really are defense first. And when he was on the court, they had a defensive rating of 87.1, which was first in the country. When he was off, that fell to 95.8, which was 18th. Still awesome numbers, but that's a big drop off. When you look at Bartorovic uh, going back to 2008, he was one of 11 freshmen to have a true shooting percentage over 65 and a block rate over nine. Uh, some other names on that list, Anthony Davis, Chet Holmgren, Jackson Hayes, Joel Embiid, Zach Collins, Derek Lively, and a couple guys who didn't necessarily make it. So I just think there are so many raw tools. It's going to be a, the best landing spot for him in my eyes is a place where they're going to be patient with him. They're going to be willing to develop him. And they're not looking for short-term immediate impact. They're looking for two, three, four, five years from now. Are you going to be the guy who's in the conversation for all defensive teams? Um, like I think he could be. So looking at Tankathon, we, right now we have like Miami at 20, Brooklyn 21 and 22, Portland at 23, Sacramento at 24, Indiana at 25 and 29, Memphis at 26, Charlotte at 27, the Clippers at 30, Utah at 28. Are there any teams specifically that stick out? We were like, oh, it'd be nice if that team had uh, a defensive presence like this. I, I couldn't be dreaming more of him going to Memphis. What is Steven Adams there for another year or two? I think he goes somewhere and, it, and gets to play like rotation minutes early on to get the feel and timing down and everything. And then all of a sudden you're, we're going to look up year three and it's going to be like, Oh gosh, what have we done? Like what monsters Catching he just gives from jaw. <laughs> and he just gives me that. He gives me the, the Deandre Jordan. We look back and be like, man, that was a nice find, like really good value. But yeah, him and jaw. And he's, and oh, he, gosh. he fits offensively yeah. with Jaron. Yes. In the oh, front gosh. court, because Jaron's going to be out on the perimeter, so you still at least have that interior presence. The paint's not going to be super clogged. That's a fun one. Yeah. And My, they've proven that they're willing to be patient and help develop guys and put them in spots to succeed consistently. And my problem is, is I feel like with a guy like Bono, we keep going through, and you can really get excited about a lot of those teams of being like, oh, gosh, if he could, if they could be patient, you could look up in a couple of years. Because I do think he, you're right on both of you about – he just raw. He just needs things to slow down. He needs to develop some other areas of his game. But I'm like Metcalf. I love the defense. I love the shot blocking. And I love how nasty he is around the basket. And it's like, okay, those are fun ingredients to build with. And I know he's going to work his butt off and play hard. So it's like, that's all you want with the center. He's also not the typical, we always see these guys that are 6'8 and trying to play center. And I feel like he's just a legit monster with athleticism. So... Thank you for your time. I'll see myself. <laughs> That's well said there. Um, is there anything else about about Bona that you just think like this is what people are missing? Um, I I think the big thing is just how versatile of a defender he is. Um, I I know the the constant obsession with defense is okay. Well, is he just a drop or is he? a switch everything type defender and there's a lot more nuance and stuff that goes into defense but with the, when you watch bona defend you literally see him do 
all of it at a really high level. And the way the flexibility in his hips and knees, the way he gets down in a, a defensive stance, you know, like Davion Mitchell does. I know I know we're all big Davion Mitchell fans, but he gets down in a defensive stance on the perimeter like that, where his knees are at 90 degree angle and he's moving his feet and sliding with guys and staying with them. It's insane what he does at his size. It's stuff that separates him from every other big defender in this class for me, at least. Yeah, he's... I Look, I have him where I have him in that range, but there's it's so easy to see him landing in the right spot and just yeah. severely outperforming his draft slot. I could also see him landing in the wrong landing spot. <laughs> in, in, a, in a rough spot like you know i i mean i don't know going to to charlotte and they just have a a, yeah. a mishmash of centers and they found you know there i think we can safely say mark williams is going to be their center of the future there and then he's got like limited run he's bounced around the g league so i fit dependent yes. for sure and then you know there there are a lot of spots in that in that second round i mean Pick 35, Rucker, Boston Celtics. Yeah, that's my dream right there. You know? We're, we're talking realistic wheelhouse there. I don't know. I also just need Tank and Don to explain to me why Boston's getting that pick, and it also could somehow go to OKC. But you you get Bona in there to back up <laughs> Robert Williams with, you know, Al Horford's probably on on the last couple of years of, of being in the league. Bite your tongue. <laughs> I love him more than anyone in the world, so I'm not going to bite my tongue. I'm just being realistic. Um, Shout out to your wife. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I just think Bonus is one of those guys you keep going down the list. Like, even second round, you could talk me into the Spurs being like, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of that. You know, the Kings, I would almost love him to be there. Get some nastiness off the bench. OKC with Chet, and all of a sudden, Bona. I just, there's some fun teams. I could get really excited about it. So, I don't know. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's keep it with you for a second, Rucker. No, we don't need to do that. No, we have to. All this right. is we agreed to this okay. before we started recording. Okay, hey, let's let's have some fun. Okay, um, we're having fun. So, you picked Julian Strother. I did because I want to get a little weird, and I'm tired of talking about the same lottery guys. We need to open it up. So, Strother is a junior wing, six seven, six nine and a half wingspan, uh, two hundred eight pounds. He will be 21 years old on draft night. Average 15.2 points, 6.2 rebounds, 1.3 assists, shot 46.9% from the field, 
40.8% on 5.3 attempts per game from three, 77.6% from the line, uh, true shooting percentage of 60, um, had a really underrated season. You wrote him as, uh, wrote about him as one of your guys in your fight for your NBA draft guys piece. So give me your, your 30 second, sell me this pen on Julian Strother and why you wanted to talk about him. You know, are you looking for a wing that can space the floor from NBA range? Well, how about if this wing also rebounds the shit out of the basketball? Insert Julian Strother, a very talented basketball player with exquisite hair. There you go. There's my pitch. I'm done. I love him. I, I, you know, I will stop there. You can ask me another question, but there's my elevator pitch. No, I, I mean, that's, it's not hard to create an elevator pitch for a guy who's shooting at volume, you know, over 40% and, and rebounds the ball. Right. I think when I recently went back and did my, my Strother deep dive, I was kind of shocked by how much time he was spending on the ball out of pick and rolls. Yes. You know, cause you look at him and you're like, all right, he's, you know, probably going to be a guy who's a spot up guy. And, and that is the, the play type that, you know, where he spent the most uh, of the time this season. Uh, but he was operating out of pick and rolls nearly 20% of his possessions. And uh, according to, to Synergy, he was very good in the 77th percentile there. And and we were watching film together on our 100-inch uh, screen last night that we have in our Airbnb in Portland. We, we also need to point out that we were beyond exhausted. I've never been that tired, and Corey and I just decided, hey, you want to watch draft film until 3 a.m.? And it, it was glorious. And, it was magical. And, Thanks. I and appreciate it. You're a, a West Coast guy. Yeah. 3 a.m. for me is actually, I'm on East Coast yeah. time still, so yeah. it was like it 6 a.m. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. The, the guys on, the rest of the guys at No Ceilings were actually started texting us good morning. <laughs> Which I was like, get away. We're watching film <laughs> at 3 a.m. You're not supposed to be up. But one of the things that was, you know, talking about his, his shooting out of the pick and roll and mm-hmm. on the spot ups and stuff, we were like, oh my God, this motherfucker is pulling it from deep. It's scary. Um, I was a big fan of his last year. Just I was like, this this kid has some tools. I don't know if he's going to be a this year guy, but he has some tools. And then going back and watching his film this year, I mentioned we mentioned it last night, as you said. Like I was like, he's pulling up from way way deep, and it's catch and shoot. It's off the bounce. It's everything. I mean, he's pulling up from different parking lots. And I wanted to mainly just talk about him in this episode because I guess I just need to vent to you guys. Like, am I? Is this the overthinking guy? I wrote a piece about overthinking for NoSealingsNBA.com. Go check it out. It's free. Um, and the more I watch Strother, I'm going to be like, this is going to be the guy that just is great value, isn't it? This is going to be the guy we're going to look up and be like, this team got him at 38. How did they get him? He's such a good piece in that rotation, even if he's the seventh guy early on. I don't know. I just think this is a really smart player that is now become a legit three-point weapon. And he's also got a desire to – he's a magnet with the ball when it comes to rebounding. He just wants to go get it. So I love his game, and I think this is going to be one of those really good guys that down the road were like, oh, Strother's played eight years in the league. He's playing big minutes in a playoff series. Like, I don't know. It's just one of those. No, you're right. He, I, I definitely think that he's an overthink guy. Um, it's a wings league, as yeah. they say. And we just watched Jordan Mora drop 25 points in a quarter. So, um, a tradition unlike no other, <laughs> the Jordan Mora quarter. So, I mean, I, when we're looking at guys who can get hot very quickly, 
who have deep NBA range and who excel in spot-up situations just as a baseline to get on the floor. He shot 47% on spot-ups this season. Um, And that's, you know, playing off of, you know, Drew Timmy, who, while he is a college superstar, uh, I think he's going to be able to get similar shots when he's playing off of, you know, an elite NBA on-ball creators at the next level. Uh, I mean, it's one of these things where it's just like, sometimes do we need to swing and miss on guys based on the idea when we have this guy who's so clearly good at something that's valued in the NBA right now? He just makes so much sense on so many teams. I mean, what can you pick a singular team where you're like, nah, he wouldn't find a role there? No. And I know you're lower on Jalen Wilson. Shout out Kansas Jayhawks. Thank Is you. this the opposite of the Jalen Wilson effect? Where like he was a productive on a juggernaut Gonzaga team last year. Yeah. He averaged almost 12-5 on shooting splits of almost 50-37-70. Um almost five three-point attempts a game. Like, he was still productive. He had games where he was the guy. Mm-hmm. That was with Chet, Timmy, Nimhart. Like, they were stacked. Um, and then this year, they asked him to take on a bigger role, and he had an almost more efficient season. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Is it is this the opposite of the Jalen Wilson theory of, like, okay, he's going to be productive even if you put him as, you know, the fifth guy on the court. Like, if, he, if Strother went and played in a, the infamous – NBA summer pickup games. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be given buckets because he'd just be like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to rebound, kick out passes, and I'm also going to pull up a transition and play to my strengths. And I think that's just an overthink guy. But I, to answer your question, I don't see any team that's like, oh, they don't need Julian Strother. I think every team could use a Julian Strother on their, on their roster, regardless of where he's playing, like in the rotation. And the other thing, if you run him off the line, he shot 56% on runners. It's a little scary how impressive the runner has become. I And I saw that film. I was like, this is actually, he's put in work with this. He sometimes takes it from far, which I'm like, whoa, big fella. <laughs> like, it's like a running elbow. And I'm like, okay. Like, and it's not one of those, oh, it, it pops up a couple of times. I mean. Metcalf hit me with it. You're, you're being quiet over there and judgmental. I need to know. No, do you I, like him? Yeah, I, I I'm love gonna, him. I'm going to get you out of your shell this week. Now that you're in person, <laughs> we're we're getting real. No, I, I love him. I mean, everything you guys have talked about is the definition of an awesome NBA wing. the The big jump with him this year was what he could do off the bounce, and that was a lot of that came attacking closeouts, like Corey said, with the runner, 94th percentile in that, 93rd percentile shooting off the catch, 92nd percentile on all jumpers overall, um, and then 97th percentile spotting up. That's awesome. But what he does on ball, or what he did on ball this year, being in the 77th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler, and that number even jumps up to the 81st percentile when you include his passes, that's a whole aspect to his game that I don't think we really anticipated coming along this quickly after what he showed as the, in his previous two seasons at Gonzaga. And it completely changes what you can kind of imagine him being and how he can impact an NBA rotation um, going into next year because it's just a whole new dynamic to his game that typically takes a little longer to come along um, instead of just kind of coming out of nowhere like it did with him this year. Yeah, yeah, and... 
ultimately, I think it comes down to we buy everybody buys into the shot. Yes. Now, yes. Are, is there anything on the other side of the ball that we're that makes you go, all right, this is why we're talking about him. We have him ranked thirtieth on on the no ceilings big board that that showed up today. It, are, are we worried about him not being able? to defend at an adequate level in the league that's going to allow him to get on the floor, or are we like Jordan Wara dropped 25 points in a quarter <laughs> and NBA defense doesn't matter? That's going to be a running joke that everyone needs to get very comfortable with for the next couple months. Uh, it's probably one of my favorites. Um, it, might, it might need to never die. Mikel Bridges is maybe having the greatest singular season in his time with the Nets scoring-wise. So what is NBA defense at its value? Exactly. Well, the thing with Strother is I... It, I've seen some people I respect like question it, and then I've watched and I've been like, okay, I see those and they're warranted. I think he's gonna be fine. I also think this is a guy that like every night is like, Julian, you got top guy, you got top dog, like you're taking him, and yeah, you're gonna struggle when you're going against elite guys in every other game. And I don't know. I think he's gonna be an average defender or plus, you know, above. I don't think he's gonna be all NBA defensive guy, but I think he's gonna be able to hold his own. I think he's smart away from the ball. Um, offensively, I thought there was some good playmaking stuff, and everyone gets playmaking confused with like it has to be flashy. I think he understands when the ball's got to move and moving it the extra, like be vanilla with the decision. Sometimes that's what scouts and teams want to see. So I just think he checks a lot of boxes, and I always thought Strother had the potential to be like, oh, he might be this really good defender, and now I'm like, he might just be solid. He might just be the guy that like he's not going to play his way off the court defensively, and, and I think if you're having that conversation and checking a lot of boxes of like, why, why not Julian Strother? And, um, I had him 28th on my board. I'm starting to debate moving him up. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's crazy. I, yeah. I think sometimes we start to overthink things. Yes. Go back, look at your boards. If you have, you know, boards throughout the years, look at your final boards and be like, all right, look at all the, the, the idea guys, the PF flyer, prospects that run fast and jump higher and how many of them work out versus the guys that are like all right this guy's a little safer but what's their median outcome because uh most of the time guys don't hit their high-end outcome Mm -hmm. and when we try to sell them on the potential of like oh this guy could be this it's like all right but what if he's just like 70 percent of that how valuable is that does that get you on the floor and i think that strother's 70 percent outcome is a lot more valuable than some of the guys that we value above him. Like there's a world where a team ends up happier a couple of years down the line, getting Strother than Nick Smith. Yeah. I, I don't think that's that ridiculous. I don't either. I, know? I would drool for Strother to end up with the Celtics. There you go. That's how I'm, I'm not kidding. Like that, that's rebounding the mentality. Yeah. Come off the bench. Nee Smith's having a, you know, resurrection with the indiana pacers never stop believing shout out journey <laughs> but i just think that that's a guy that you a playoff team gets julian strother as like a there's the boost you know we get a lethal floor uh, spacer i just believe it I, I i think it makes too much sense and it's one of those like sometimes it's simple like sometimes it's just you got to be willing not to swing for the fences like you said earlier just like are, are we really going to pass up on this guy because we're wanting to chase uh, something fancier, something shinier, and I, I don't think you need to with Strother. No, I agree. And it, now it's time. It's time. It's and time. I'm just, I'm just for, so. Oh, you know God. what's? We basically 
had to do this episode because you wanted this moment. So <laughs> That's right. go ahead. That's right. All right. So my sell me this pen is going to be for Bryce Sensaba. So I need you for everyone that is not familiar, which come on. Hey, join us. We're fun people. Corey has been pushing Bryce Sensaball, and me and Metcalf don't like it. We're very passionately standing our ground. So if anything, we wanted to come to Portland mainly to talk to you about Bryce Sensaball. That's it. Because <laughs> we're like, what are we not seeing? So so hit us with it. You gotta really sell us this pen. All right. Do you like freshman wings that shoot forty eight percent from the floor, forty and a half percent from three? 83% from the line. Rebound the ball. We just talked about that you like rebounding with Julian Strother. Um, historic efficiency on volume. 40 points per, per 100 possessions. Footwork, skill, well beyond his years. Well, boy, I'm a, do I have a player for you. Bryce Sensabaugh to me, and I'm, I, I just look at this guy and I'm like, I can't believe how effortlessly sometimes he can score the ball in so many different ways. With actual NBA size um, and strength, and you know, for guys who were looking at who maybe had these these rankings that you know Nick Smith, Keontae, and we talk about how hard you know it is for some of them to get into their shots. Well, this is a kid who played in the Big Ten and was like insanely efficient scoring basically at will from all three levels can play on or off the ball and we're not just like and he's actually bigger and stronger than these guys and we're not just like okay so this is a top seven prospect what are we doing here now i know that you guys have reservations and we'll get into those right but as far as what he did on a night-to-night basis i just kept going all right well he's got to have a bad game at some point and it took him until February 9th to like have like a bad scoring game. Night in, night out, that consistency as a freshman, I was like, at some point, it's just like, all right, we kind of have to buy into the production regardless of his ranking or how weird his body looks. And, and that leads me to shouting out uh, our own Nathan from draft deeper no, who, we, don't, we don't need to do he that gave, yeah, well pass, you know, pass, all right pass. so we won't shout him out <laughs> pass i actually came up with this by myself okay <laughs> i'm sure it's gonna be brilliant. no we have to give him credit <laughs> we have to give him credit so um i was with nathan i think we were scouting houston um versus temple and he was like i think that sensaba could be this year's alperin shangun of this awkward body guy who so clearly is like skilled beyond his years, but because he he looks a little pudgy or or awkward, we're gonna kind of sleep on not buying it translating to the next level when we've seen Shangun and his production and his skill, regardless of he's not jumping out of the gym, translate pretty smoothly. Um, where it looks like, all right, this is a guy who was undervalued at his draft spot. Um and even with some of the defensive concerns that he had at a arguably more important defensive position, he's still a guy that I think most people would gladly take on their team. And when you look back, you're, you're definitely drafting him at least in the top 10 of that class, right? 
And so shout out to Nathan for that. I thought that's a, that was a brilliant take. And my thing with Sensabot is the guy is just efficient from freaking everywhere, man. And when I was writing my article at noceilingsmba.com. I heard it's free. Yeah, it is free. It's free. Um, I think you get stuff delivered to your inbox like at least Monday through Friday, sometimes Sunday through what, Friday. What a deal. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, when I was writing that and I was I was matching up some of his clips, because you know I, I like to, when I'm doing these articles this year, approach it. Yes, I'm writing a scouting report, but I also want to write the scouting report with an NBA projection. So I like to see, and we don't all love comps here, and I don't like doing one-to-one comps. So I try to do, we do the prospect chemistry, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, put it in a beaker and watch it hopefully not explode in your face. And I was like, I can't believe how similar this dude's movement patterns and footwork and ability to get to spots are to DeMar DeRozan. And DeMar is, you know, kind of an outdated archetype. I think we can all agree with that, but he's effective Mm -hmm. as all hell. And he also doesn't have Bryce's outside shooting ability where Sensabaugh took 11 threes per 100 possessions and shot over 40%. So if he could be an evolutionary DeMar, who maybe not as athletic, while being the same kind of offensive um, prospect, and you got to remember, DeMar, as a young player, did not have anywhere close to the playmaking chops that he ultimately developed later in his career. And I've seen enough flashes, personally, from Bryce as a passer, where he's making you know live dribble reads, weak side hits, where I'm like, there's something here. He's definitely a score-first guy, but there's something here to him that I'm just like, I'm not overthinking this. I have him at five. That's where I'm at with him. I've toggled between five and six because I love, I have Keontae at six, and I know he's kind of the opposite where he's like inefficient, but I I believe in in the, the eye test with him. Bryce, I, I'm just like, this guy's going to be ridiculously efficient it and at and get he's gonna be able to play in multiple schemes he could play on the ball he could play off of it he's got size and strength positionally i think his on-ball defense and even i i think while sure he gets lost sometimes i even think his rotations are pretty decent sometimes um on the you know pick and roll navigation not my favorite but ultimately if that's what i'm nitpicking i'm overthinking a dude who is just the purest of pure bucket getters in every sense of the word. And if he takes his body seriously and drops 10 pounds, 15 pounds, I think this is a dude who is like a multiple, multiple all-time uh, time all-star. So you guys are a little bit lower. Hit me with your your major concerns. I, I, I don't know where to start. The five just... Was an atomic bomb I, in my brain at number five. It, it, it might have broke a, me. I have him <laughs> at twenty. Uh, I have him at twenty-one. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you guys because you really, know, really proud of you for twenty-one. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that having a conversation with somebody else that's like love Bryce. It's like great. I guess we won't get to the bottom of why we're so high or low on him. Um, no, but this is what we need more of, and this is why I love the Bryce talk. Like we always joke with when we have such differences on prospects, it's it's annoying to to battle with. But this is the time of the year where it's fantastic. I mm-hmm. think it's important because you have to open up each other's eyes to be like, hey, 
come on over here. The water's warm. You, you got to see this. And I love it because it's like, what am I missing? Like, how can I improve myself? How can I improve myself as an evaluator when it comes to like, am I missing something here? And boy, have I tried with Bryce. Like, I've done everything. I'm trying to buy in. This shot making is intriguing. I absolutely love it. It's a beautiful shot. He looks like he's going to be a bull in a china shop when it comes to you try to, you know, man up with him and, like, push him around. And he's like, okay, you're going to bounce off me. And he's a tough shot maker. I've said it all the time. I think that's a skill. Metcalf's been right there with me. We've talked about it on the No Ceilings pod where we're like, tough shot making is a skill. The ability to be smothered and uncomfortable and you still can get your shot off at an efficient clip. It is a skill. There's a lot of stuff going for him on the offensive side of the ball. But then I just have questions defensively where I'm like, okay, when that time comes in which Bryce's shot isn't falling, what is he giving us on the court? And it's, Hey, maybe he's just this freak of nature, efficient shooter bucket machine. What I wanted TJ Warren to be his whole career. If he was healthy, always maybe even higher upside, like court. Like I don't, Disagree with you, Corey. I think there is a potential where he's just this holy crap offensive juggernaut that you're like, if we play him, like he, there was a mock of him going to Sacramento. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like that's Sabonis throwing dimes to him. They had De'Aaron Fox pushing the pace and kicking it out to sense the ball. They had Keegan Murray being the best human being ever. Like there's just a lot of fun stuff to get him around that. And I guess that's where I'm stuck. Metcalf, you could take over, but. I can't get him that high because I'm more excited about him going lower. Where if he goes to a team that has the pieces around him, I think Sensible is going to potentially be a star. But if you're drafting him top 10 to be like, Bryce, it's your time to take over. I don't know. There's, but there's some special stuff offensively. I'm just like, is the offense so special that it weighs the defensive feelings I have? I think it is. And that's what I'm scared of. But, like, I'll, I'll throw this out there. I love Maxwell Lewis more than him. I think Maxwell Lewis was on a tear in the beginning of the year and was something we're forgetting about. And I think there's some Maxwell Lewis two-way stuff that I'm like, I think it's going to come around. So maybe that's where I'm like, I'm stuck on that version of the athletic six seven guy that was shooting, you know, 51 42 85 with 20 a game for a lower level that's still very late bloomer but then i have to go back to like well bryce is this special at ohio state and he's just a load and and does he really need to lose all that weight maybe that's the strength of his it's just a lot of really interesting questions i I think even i I think if he loses a little bit weight he's still going to be stronger than guys at his spot yes yeah and and uh, Metcalf, I know when when you had Derek Murray on, he mentioned Sensabaugh as a guy who had really impressive high school yeah. production as well. That when when you look back, you're like, all right, so he's got this high school production that's really impressive. He's got this college production that's really impressive. Now I'm with you on Max Lewis. I, 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 I I'm just, still in on Max Lewis. I I see him dropping to like the 25 to 30 range on a lot of boards. I think it's reactionary. I get the Look, that team was just one of the worst watches yeah. you could possibly you know, subject yourself to. Nobody on that team wanted to make anybody else better. Everybody wanted to get theirs. 
it's just a rough situation. And yes. I'm not uh, saying that Maxwell Lewis isn't, you know, responsible at all for that. And it's all, you know, right. everybody else's fault. Surely he has to take some of the blame. But at the same time, I, you look at his skills and you're like, offensively, he could do what can't he do? Right? Like he has it. He has the full back. I think if we look at Jet Howard and we were watching some Jet film earlier, mm-hmm. we're like, oh my God, this dude's shot creation is insane. Each of those guys, I think, have worries on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Right? But they have this special ability to hit shots. They both have this great size. There's other things that we worry about with them. Jed attacking the rim, being more aggressive as a rebounder. So what's the separator for you guys between a guy like Max Lewis or Jet and Sensabaugh, who had a better offensive season um, and I think has similar question marks where you're not like, I can't, I'm... Maybe I'm not in on this skill, but I don't think it's unsalvageable. And maybe they're like slightly bigger, but it's not like Sensabaugh is, is short and he's got a long wingspan. So where's the disconnect between a guy like Sensabaugh where you have in the 20s versus a guy like Jet, who you've been really high on yeah. all year? Um, all right, so I this is going to be painfully on brand for me. Um, but I, I want to start out with the good because the, the jumper is insane. He's an awesome shooter, spot up jumper incredible mid-range tough shot maker love it all love his scoring touch it's it's in, insane the defense is a disaster um it's, I, it you're being played it, i don't think it i don't it's, think it's, it's as disastrous it's, as you think it's terrible i i there, i'm sorry i love everybody there are long it's, it's really frustrating there are numerous possessions every game where he completely loses his guy off ball, and his guy will have run laps around the court before he even realizes where <laughs> I, he is. I'm sorry, I knew this was only a matter of time. I waited for this to happen last year, and I know it's happening right now. I knew there was only a matter of time before it's like the lids off. All right, I love you guys, but we're I don't we're think taking the gloves. Off. I think his rotation. Of course, there's moments where he's losing his man, and, and the awareness. Uh, I'm not. I, to me, I'm not even the least bit concerned about that part because I've seen enough times where he understands where he's supposed to be positionally uh, as far as his rotations when his guy is is running around the court i'm more concerned about all right he gets brought up in a pick and roll against a quick guard in the nba that's where i'm way more concerned defensively on the ball i actually think he i i just straight up think he's fucking good Oh, like, I, oh, yeah, huge disconnect between us. Um, I also could not hate I just, his hands. I just, look like they have I weights just, on it. I just straight up think that he can move his feet. He's got length, and he could switch his stance. I just straight up think that he's like a pretty. He's he's good enough. You can't move him off your spot. Um, do I think he's like a switchable guy who's going to guard one through five? No, but when I look at him in the context of of guarding wings, like versus Jet or or Max Lewis. What did they show on that side of the ball where you're like, oh, God, I could see it there, but I can't see what sense. But I just straight up think he's okay. Off the ball, sure. Yeah, he's going to lose his man sometimes. But I, again, I also think you don't always have to look like you're chasing your man around like fucking Jordan Hawkins when you could just cut the floor in half and understand that your rotation on the weak side of the floor, you don't have to go and chase. I'm not saying it's good. I want to make that clear. But I don't think it's like disastrous either and that's also to say we've this is not the first prospect from ohio state at this position 
where we're having these concerns. Malachi Branham is the worst defensive <laughs> prospect I have ever had the displeasure of watching on that side of the ball. And he's been a guy you look like at you look at at the NBA level sure. and you're like, this is gonna be a good player. So there's coaching involved too. Sure. He he could be Metcalf, I'll let you go after this. He can be a good defender at the next level because if he plays like this at the next level, he won't play. Like the team will be like, get out. Like and also my last thing I'll say is and he'll learn fast, is what I'm saying. But the last thing yeah. I'll say is if you're drive if you're drafting sensible to be a two way guy. You shouldn't be drafting him. No, you should be drafting him to be no, yeah, no his elite superstar. Yes, and that is where you're drafting him up. So you have superstar. to draft Sorry. him with your roster. You have to evaluate and be like, hey, let's look at our system. If we're putting Bryce out there for 24 plus minutes a night, can he be fine with everybody around? Can he be acceptable? I understand where Corey's going. Sure, with the when he's face guarding in the post. Yeah, you're not you're not going on against him. He he's he's really impressive because he's just like I'm, I'm bigger and stronger than you. This is exactly my wheelhouse. It's just someone's going to bring him out to an island. Chris Paul will even have a field day with him next oh, year. Chris of course, Paul, who oh, he does with everyone. And Chris, it, but it's just one of those things. Like Bryce, come on out. I think it could be there. I think it's the effort, and it's fine because he'll, someone will tune that up. And it is coaching, and there is a lot of stuff like this. The offense is so special. Um, fun fact, reading his background, uh, team's leading scorer as a sophomore in high school, misses junior year due to a meniscus injury, yeah. uh, average 25 and seven as a senior Florida, Mr. Basketball Metcalf take over. I know I'm just trying to calm down the beast to let, no. before we let him out of the no, cage. No, I'm good. Um, no, cause I, I think what you, <laughs> I, 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 I should clarify about his defense on the perimeter. I think his on ball defense is awful. On the interior, I think it's much better. I get more kind of I, I get a lot of James Harden in Houston vibes with his defense. Where when he's defending in the post, he's strong. He can handle his own. When he's asked to do literally anything else, I think it's a disaster. When he was on the court, Ohio State had the two hundred seventeenth ranked defense in the country. Not great. Um, but aside from his defense, I kind of I have a lot of offensive concerns outside of the. I, I think oh, the I shots. Love this out of you. I think the shot is awesome. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you roughhouse. <laughs> um, the passing, I think there's something deep, 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 deep down there because as the year went on, it got better. Um, it went from zero passes a game to a couple. Um, I thought he showed some really good recognition on the weak side with kicking out of drives and stuff like that. I worry about the athleticism. Um, I don't think we, we talked about how good of a tough shot maker he is. When he was on ball, that's all he made, though. Nothing felt easy. He rarely got to the rim. Um, he had four dunks in the half court all year. Uh, on layups in the half court, he shot below 47%. All of his jumpers are tough, contested stuff. I know that's a skill in its own right. I, I fully admit that. I got questions about this, so this is good. I but like this. We're having fun. Nothing he, did, or he did was easy. He couldn't create space against mediocre college athletes i think he's going to be i worry about his how easy he is to defend at the next level if you put someone bigger on him because defensively i like him guarding up in positions uh like you like you were saying Corey. like i I don't want him guarding ones and twos at all and i think based on how you construct a lineup around that i think that's going to lead to him being guarded by 
more defense, more bigger, bigger wings and forwards who he's really going to have a really tough time getting shots over. Do you want to comment on that first or do you want me to, because I feel well, like Metcalf's point needs more focus. Go ahead. You no, go. You, go. And then, you, you focus it. Um, <sighs> I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. So I'm going to start with one. The athleticism is weird to me because he'll drive and out of nowhere throw down a dunk. And I'm like, well, where did that come from, big fella? Like, yeah. I'm okay. Okay. Is there something there where we just need to get a little bit better burst and get a little bit of weight off? Because he does reach up and throw down with some power. And I'm like, he all did right. four times in the half. Court. I know. Would you just let me finish? Part okay? of that is probably because he doesn't love to cut. Exactly. <laughs> no, which is he also move off ball at all. Uh, yes. So we're just hold on a <laughs> hot second. What I wanted to ask you guys is when you get a guy like this who you just keep watching on film, tough shot machine, that it just, everything's going in. And the athleticism, as Metcalf says, it, it is a legit like thing. I'm like, okay, how long is this going to survive? Because if, if you have good footwork mm-hmm. and you don't have that athleticism to like just get away or burst from guy, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You better have great footwork to get to that next level and be effective. So that's what I'm saying. When do you get to a spot? What do you tell the difference of being like, oh, he'll be able to be fine at the next level? Or because he only needs a little bit of a window. He takes some shots where I'm like, and oh, you needed just half a step. He's to get only that off. he's going to have more room at the next yes, level. Too. Of course, he's the the, the, the paint is going to be significantly yes. less clogged. I also think he has a little bit of that Jarris yes. to him, where like sometimes you're just like, can't you just go fucking yam on someone's head, right? Because he's he he does need to because you're so strong. And sometimes with Bryce, it's like, all right, maybe you don't have the same kind of vertical pop consistently as other finishers. But what you have that other people don't is the type of frame that you could dip your shoulder into somebody and create a little bit of room. And he has great length to finish at the rim. So I'm not super concerned with the finishing, especially because I think, you know, we've seen Jordan Mora. Drop twenty five points in a quarter. Um, <laughs> NBA offense, I think, is going to be pretty easy for him. Now, one of the things that I've been kind of, you know, workshopping in my brain, I'm trying to how figure out how to convey it the most clearly, um, is that I think that a lot of his shots look really heavily contested, and he shoots a lot of heavily contested shots. And this is something, maybe it's because I have been watching DeMar DeRozan for the last couple of years with the Bulls. I think when you can get to your spots, you understand the kind of timing where something could look so heavily contested that you're like, oh my God, that's such a tough shot. How is he going to make that? When in reality, it almost feels clean because you know exactly what you're doing in this moment. And to me, he's so good at getting to spots, even if he may not be creating the most space. And and I do think he has the type of handle um, to create space. And I think at the next level, he'll probably see an uptick of pick and roll possessions as well, um, which will obviously help that out in multiple areas, the, the passing, the, the shooting, all of that. Um, but... I, I think that his some of those tough shots that just look super covered because he doesn't isn't like the athlete that we portray him as 
like there's a difference between him being covered and taking a shot and some of the shots that like Nick Smith took that looked like equally covered, but Nick Smith had to rush them to get them off and Sensabaugh is calmly getting into them. So it's not as much about space creation as spot creation. And that's something that I think he really excels at. That's kind of like a sneaky skill that he has, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, and I think that leans into how much advantage he can create because of how freaking strong he is. And, you know, that that's part of the reason when you compare it to the shooting touch and the ability to make these tough shots. That's why I'm not completely out on him. I'm just not head over heels in love with him. When you talk about, I think the big difference with DeMar is I think DeMar has way more and has for a while. I know we're comparing a fucking freshman to sure. a multi-time all-star, all that stuff. So. I, but I think DeMar has had way more craft and guile and creativity to his kind of on-ball creation than Bryce has. And I, I would like to see Bryce be a little more clever with his stuff. I mean, free throw rate of 24.4, not great. And when you have a guy who's on-ball that much, who's taking as many tough shots as he is, who has the strength, theoretically at least, to get to the, and be super effective around the rim like he should have... I want those free throw numbers to be through the roof. And when that shot isn't falling, I'm just not sure what he does on offense to make his team better because he doesn't move off ball. Um, when he was, I, Ohio State's offensive rating was better when he was off the court when he, than when he was on it. I know that Ohio State team was a mess all year, but when he was on the court, 109.8, 57th in the country, awesome number, awesome place to be at. When he was off the court, it was uh, offensive rating of 111, which was the 41st. I don't have any questions about how good of a shooter he's going to be. I just ha- have a lot of concerns about how he actually affects winning basketball and makes those around him better on either end of the floor. Now, if he did have the ability to get to the rim more often, aren't we talking about him at, like, probably pick four? Sure, yeah, (laughs) because it's a a nasty shooter with much higher level of athleticism and explosiveness. But I don't think he has that because he hasn't shown it. And and maybe it's still just lingering effects of that knee injury his junior year uh, that Rucker mentioned, and sometimes those can take a little longer to heal up and get back to being normal but from what i've seen in his senior year and his freshman year i haven't seen that or maybe he loses a little bit more weight and that that extra weight gives him that split second yeah more kind of athletic pop um i'm not saying he's the hands down guy i think once we get once i personally get past four i have question marks about every single prospect on who to put in that spot so for me i'm going off production and I think he could fit into so many different spots offensively um, at the next level. And what he does, I think, is valuable uh, at his spot, at the wing spot. So I, it's just one of those things where I can't overthink this kid. And I've had him in my top 10 for for a while. Yeah. But the longer the season went on and I just went, all right, I'm talking myself into this guy over him because he had a higher ranking preseason – when he might just be a weird guy who's going to get in better shape at the next level and has more space. So you're going to see some of these kickouts to shooters that could actually knock down shots at a more consistent level. Um, And he goes to a spot and it's just like, oh God, he just exploded. I'm not saying that, like, how about this? I think it's hard 
to find 20 guys, I would be like, even their median outcome is anywhere close to his. Like to me, he's a, he's like baseline because of what he offers as a shooter at like most levels. He's what? Like a seventh man at like a tough outcome. If his defense is so disastrous, I guess, you know, we could have that conversation, but when I go down the line of some of these other guys, it's like, all right, we, I have defensive questions about a lot of the, I, Jordan Hawkins competes his ass off, but he's frail. Guys are going to be able to body him, probably rise up, shoot up. Like, there are a lot of guys I can make these, these can have these concerns about where I'm not just sure. Grady Dick, well, he's probably going to get targeted too. Yeah, we could pick all these guys. You could pick, that's pick all of these apart. It's, yeah, that's um, the time of the year. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think this is a guy that he's, I think he's going to start rising up some boards. I think we're going to see some pictures where he looks a little bit leaner because uh, the lighting is nice. And I think it's, I, I think it, he kind of should. I, I just, sometimes is the, the production, you can't overthink it. And he was, he was really good this year and he was good in high school. So what's stopping him from being good at the next level? That's my sell me this pen segment on him. I'm glad we did the we had this talk. That's funny. I'm sure it's not going to be the only one we have. No, because we're going to watch film Everyone on our hundred up. on our hundred inch TV where uh, humble brag season. where we where I show you some good some really good defensive stuff. You show me some really bad, and you know we go back and forth. It's going to be a great. It's going to be the the Dahmer uh, meme of just him. <laughs> we're going to watch some basketball. So Corey's just going to be like, we're going to watch some Bryce Sensible. I, um, my last thing I will say is I was it's funny that Metcalf. That's why I love doing the podcast with him because. I was literally looking it up, and I'm shocked at the free throw rate. Yeah, so so was I. I was, I, I was very shocked. Well, he shoots that. a lot of mid range jumpers. I know, but I just like so does Max Lewis, and I'm not trying to pick it up. Like I looked up him and Keontes too, and like lower than them, I was like, oh gosh, Bryce should be living on. He needs to get that pump fake, right? That, 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 that's what I was trying to off yeah. that. That would mid range yeah. pump fake. Oh gosh, that's what I was trying in. to get at. But he's the, not yeah, a comp- he's not a finished yeah. product. It's, no, right. it, none of these guys and are. And his ability in that mid range with his footwork, how crafty he already is, like that stuff. He's I think he's gonna pick up. I don't yes. think his just because his post his his mid range craft is already good that it's topped out. No, for sure. No, no. no not so at all. I think he's gonna get that little pump fake and draw a foul. I think he's gonna be able to you know. Again, and, and I'm a believer that I think his his body is going to improve a little bit, and I think that's going to give him a, a little bit of an extra bump. Maybe he goes the other way, and it completely falls. Things fall off the rails um, in ways I hope they don't. But I'm an optimist. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna think that the body's gonna go because I think it looks better than it it did in high school, which makes sense because he's coming off a major right. knee, knee right. injury, and he's just older and stronger. And I, I think get him in an NBA style weight room. I'm willing to buy in on that guy. If you want to tell me you have Taylor Hendricks ahead of him, I get it. Because baseline, he's going to be a good 3 and D player. Um, but do I think ceiling-wise, like he's got that same top level? No, I, I don't think he does. Um, if you want to tell me you want to draft Kaysen over him because you just feel more confident in the two-way stuff, I get it. I get the arguments hey, let's leave for Kaysen and against. Let's leave Kaysen we love out Kaysen. of this. I love him. We love Kaysen. There's a lot of guys I get. Some guys I don't. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys that I get in that range. I'm saying I think that he should be in this top 10 conversation. I'm willing to buy in earlier. Um, but if I'm a team like the Magic, I'm all over it. They have big size and, and defenders. And they need floor spacing. And I think 
guys who outside of just like following friends out on the perimeter from the backcourt spots that are going to you know need to be able to get their own shot in tough moments too while being able to play off the ball he to me that's like an amazing fit where they land who knows right like you could also tell me like washington's at six and i'm like all right i absolutely hate that so you know there i could see it either there's arguments for these guys in these spots either way fit's definitely gonna play into it but uh yeah big believer um and i can't wait to talk off off air with with you guys about him um so yeah that's our episode it was great. If it was good for you, it was good for me. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a smoke. Uh, okay. Rucker, tell the people where they could find you. Uh, com, and I'm on the internet, on the line, at uh, t- Twitter, at Tyler underscore Rucker. So I'm excited for this week. Be following us when you guys listen to this. We have a lot of really good content coming out this week, and it's draft season, baby. So thank you guys for doing this, and I'm sure we're going to be uh, talking plenty. You're damn right. Metcalf? Uh, on Twitter at tmetcalf11. Um, otherwise, everything at No Ceilings NBA. And you can find me at Corey Tulliba, um and all the other places that they got they just mentioned. And uh, all right, guys, that's it. We're out. Peace. <laughs>